0: Welcome to Great Expectations. I'm Lee Winter and I chat to debut lesbian authors. I'd like to welcome Roslyn Sinclair, who is our very first author on my podcasts about debut lesbian writers. Roslyn has her very first book out at the end of the year called Lily in the Crown. Hello, Lee. Hi, Roslyn. Thanks for stopping by. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do, and how you relax in your downtime?
1: Okay, well, I live in Georgia in the United States and I work in education. Uh, In my downtime, I love to read. I've actually sort of carved out a space in my day specifically for reading, which is when I come home, I sit down and before I do anything else, I pick up something to read and I read for one hour. Uh, I love to write, obviously. That's pretty much my favorite thing in life, even when it sucks 90% of the time. I have a beautiful little cat, but otherwise I live alone. And my life isn't really all that exciting. <laughs> I guess.
0: So you, you don't have any unusual hobbies of any kind?
1: I love to write explicit stories about women.
0: <laughs> I think your fans <laughs> would go, that is the best hobby to have.
1: <laughs> I have certain interests that I didn't get deeply into. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm crazy about tea. Uh, that I love perfume, and I love researching about perfume, and I used to run a perfume blog that has since defunct. Uh, so, you know, just kind of interests and stuff like that, I guess.
0: I've never known anyone who's fascinated by perfume before, so...
1: Oh, there's there's a lot of us, actually. It gets to be kind of a a cultish sort of thing.
0: All right, let's talk about some writing. Now, you wrote a Devil Wears Prada slash story called Truth and Measure uh, some years ago. And I have seen it top best fanfic lists across multiple fandoms and be called the best unpublished list ever. And now you're getting it published. So I want to know how that story came about.
1: I still can't believe any of that happened, honestly. I'm just, I'm so flattered that it's gotten legs, really, after, God, nine years, I guess. Because um, I think I wrote it in 2008. It started off, I was going to call it Fetching, because there's a line in the movie, right, where Miranda, having learned that her husband is about to divorce her, Andy's trying to give her comfort. And Miranda says, You're very fetching, which is like the gayest thing. I mean, you know, try and find something more gay. I don't know how you're going to do it. Uh, and I just had sort of this. Random idea, and I swear this is true, I thought it would be a very, very short story about what would happen if Miranda got pregnant. I realize that when I say that out loud, sound, that sounds like the most preposterous thing ever, that that could ever be short. Uh, but I really thought it would be kind of, you know, what we call in fandom a crack fic. A crack fic is sort of, I guess, maybe unfortunately named, uh, but the idea of something that's so strange and so crazy that nobody could ever really take it seriously. So the idea of a story, you know, where Miranda Priestley, who's 50 years old, uh, at the peak of her career, you know, where she gets pregnant, that just seems so implausible. Yeah. Um, and just kind of a wacky, crazy idea. I'll just write a quick story and throw it out there. And it just kept going and going and going. Now tell, tell
0: everyone that. how long it got to. Come on.
1: 275,000 words.
0: <laughs> it definitely is an I epic actually, fic, that's for sure. Now, why did you start writing fan fiction and why that fandom?
1: Well, uh, I actually started writing fan fiction in 1999 when I was in college, and I've taken all of my early stuff offline because I don't want you all to know my shame and because they were so terrible. <laughs> You <laughs> know, I mean, before I discovered beta readers or, or anything basically but spell check. Until then i considered myself more of a poet. I actually had a partial scholarship to my university for for writing poetry and I hadn't considered myself much of a fiction writer. Uh but then I stumbled across Fan fiction, and something about it just sort of got its hooks in me, and so I spent quite some time, you know, experimenting with very long stories, you know, short form fiction, vignettes, really experimental stuff, forms we call drabbles, which are uh, little stories that are exactly 100 words and no more and no less. Uh, and just it was this sort of boundaryless place where all the usual rules didn't apply, and that appealed to me immensely.
0: And why is Prada as a fandom?
1: It's the first fandom I ever wrote explicitly um, about lesbians. But I'd written uh, fandom slash stories years ago, and this, uh, this is going somewhere, I swear, uh, <laughs> that I hadn't been able to make explicit. They were all like very PG rated. And it wasn't until later that I realized I found that to be so personal, like to my experience, that I was almost sort of embarrassed to get into it. And then years later, after you know I'd grown up a little bit, and sort of grown into myself, I saw The Devil Wears Prada. And I caught it on cable TV, and I couldn't look away. And I remember I was out of town at the time, so in this long road trip I had going back home, I wrote this whole story in my head. And that turned into She Likes Surprise Fight, hmm. uh, which is the first story I ever wrote in the fandom, which wound up having explicit sex in it, uh, that I found myself... For the first time, not at all shy to write about that. It just felt very natural in a way that it's, it's difficult to explain now. But it really felt kind of like you know, it lit a fire under me.
0: Your stories, I've noticed, they all sort of have a power play feel to them. Like there's an ice queen, a, a chilly boss, someone who's a bit intimidating. Why do these sort of protagonists interest you?
1: Well, and also there's uh, not just the icy stuff, but there's usually a noticeable age gap. And I guess I can trace that back to the crush I had on my English teacher when I was in seventh grade. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the trope of the ice queen melting, I think that that appeals to a broad spectrum of people because it appeals to all of us, the idea that every person can be special enough right? To reach through somebody's walls, to be that person that just sort of awakens them to love. That's a cherished fantasy a lot of us have, even if it's something we don't feel to be realistic, or even if in some contexts, you know, we know it might not be the most healthy thing. But just the idea of being someone who's that sort of powerful in your own way, to break through somebody's walls and become sort of their special someone.
0: I think that's one of the best descriptions of ice queens that I've ever heard. Now... I could correct me if I'm wrong, but over the years you've been approached more than once by publishers to turn Truth and Measure into a novel, and you haven't said yes until now. I'm just wondering what changed. Are you just ready for it to be published, or?
1: Well, I'm trying to remember. I I know someone has approached me before. I can't remember who, <laughs> um, and it was it was some years ago. But recently, I self-published uh, some straight romance novels uh mostly for, you know, money, because that's the genre that sells, and I wanted to, to make a little extra money, and I did. And I discovered that I liked the process of writing original fiction, but self-publishing was also, in a lot of ways, a really huge hassle. And you kind of have to do all of it yourself. And then Yilva approached me about these projects that I'd held so dear for so long, and, you know, you guys had a plan and suggestions and stuff, and I thought, well, you know, these stories... Um, especially The Lily and the Crown, which is the first book that we're putting out together, Um, there were always things, especially about The Lily and the Crown, that I remained discontented with. But I remember thinking, gosh, you know, if I ever went back and did it again, I'd change X, I'd expand on Y, maybe I'd get rid of this thing. But, you know, why would I ever do that? Because it's just fan fiction. And this gave me a great reason to turn it into a story that I'm much prouder of. Yeah, so it all just sort of, the timing worked out perfectly.
0: Now, for those who don't know, Lily in the Crown is a Devil Wears Prada Uber story, uh, a space pirate romance. You've added, from memory, I think it's about 20,000 words to it. I was wondering how it feels writing well, about those characters again after so many years apart from them.
1: Well, it might actually have been a little more than 20,000 words, but I'd have to look back. Uh, and the interesting thing about the Lily in the Crown is that they really were already closer to original characters given that they were so far removed from their original context. And to some extent, the characterization, especially of the Andy character, who became Ari, was very, I think, in, in some ways, very different from what we saw in the film. Yeah, true. Yeah, in terms of that, you know, she was she was more passive, she was more timid, far more isolated. Uh, so that was easier because I already felt like I was working with characters that to some extent I'd, I'd already molded.
0: Do you still write fan fiction, by the way?
1: I do. I'm currently working on a couple of projects for Grace and Frankie. Yes, which is a Netflix show. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a Netflix show about two women in their seventies, uh, and it's it's great. It's Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, and you know what else do you need to know? So
0: mm. older women don't get a lot of um, play in you know our entertainment. What draws well, you really- to them?
1: First of all, Grace Hansen uh, is kind of the perfect ice queen character that we were talking about before and her characters really wonderfully realized to the extent that Jane Fonda actually got an Emmy not this year hmm. um and it's just the idea of women I think especially coming into themselves and what's optimistic about a show and a fandom that's developing around the show is this idea that you can be in your 70s and still have a vibrant full life ahead of you um, I'm surprised to find out how young a lot of the fandom is. There's a lot of you know, fans in their 20s, uh, even in their late teens, who are interested in Grace and Frankie. And I think it's just this eternally optimistic idea that it's never over, right? There's always possibilities for growth and discovery and love.
0: That's very true. Now, circling back to, you mentioned that you, okay, you might be a debut lesbic author, but you're not a, a debut author. Now, I've got some straight friends who keep telling me I should write heterosexual romances and make a lot of money and so on, and but I can't even imagine doing it because I'd get so bored writing about things I have no interest in. How do you get around that? <laughs>
1: Oh, you've got to be in the... Well, you've got to love your characters. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, I'm guilty maybe of loving my characters a little too much. You know, <laughs> like They say, don't make your characters your children, but I totally do. <laughs> um, my male character that I came up with for that... But so See, what works with me in fiction is the characters that I love in fiction, I would hate in real life. Like, I would strangle Miranda Priestley in a heartbeat if I had to deal with her. Same. Um, the same as with my male protagonist. But when I wrote him, I just loved him. Uh, and the same with my female protagonist. And, you know, when you put them together, I felt like there were sparks struck. And they were just really interesting people. Right. And so it wasn't about, you know, banging together, you know, two body parts and following the formula or whatever. But, you know, what happens... When these two people collide, you know, what harm do they do? You know, what? how do they make each other better? You know, how do they heal each other? You know, na, 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 all the kind of the usual cliches. But how does the psychology work? That's really what I care about.
0: Well, if you want to name your uh, straight writing name, feel free. Um, you don't have to. It's entirely up to you.
1: Oh, it's, it's fine. It's July Hall.
0: Now, I'm going to move to the fun part of the uh, interview, which is what I've called fast and furious questions, and so you don't have to put a lot of thought into the answers. Just go with what hits you first. When and where do you write?
1: I write mostly uh, at my kitchen table because that's where my laptop is, and that gives my cat a great excuse to sit next to me and scream at me all the time about how I'm not feeding him. He's actually here right now, and I can have a glass of sangria right next to me, and it just works out perfectly.
0: And what time of the day do you write?
1: Well, I used to be really good about writing first thing in the day. Like before I did anything else, I'd sit down and meet my word count. Uh, then I got a new job. So now it's kind of, you know, if I have a few free moments in the office, I'll write there. Uh, I'll write when I come home. You know, I'll write before I go to bed, whenever I can find the time.
0: Fair enough. What makes you angry?
1: Uh, Donald Trump.
0: <laughs> what do you get cravings I think, for?
1: <laughs> I don't think angry is really the right word there. What do I get cravings for? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I really like our hot and spicy Cheez-Its. It's like the worst junk food in the world, but a little. What are they called? Yeah, Cheez-Its. It's an American like cheese cracker, except that these are flavored with, uh, I think, Tabasco sauce. That's
0: They're insane. Kind of like in
1: the it is. They're so good, though.
0: When was the last time you cried?
1: Two days ago. Yeah. Am I supposed to elaborate?
0: <laughs> if you'd like to. <laughs>
1: Uh, Well, a friend told me something very touching that made me happy and I teared up a little bit, so that's the last thing I remember.
0: Okay. Who is your celebrity crush?
1: Oh, God. It changes. It changes so much. Um, I'm going to have to say number one will always be Mary MacDonald. Like, there's no one else who really comes close just because of Laura Roslin, which is where uh, Mm. my pseudonym comes from, Roslin Sinclair, although I spell it differently.
0: She is a very fine president from Battlestar Galactica, for those who don't know. What was the last story you read that impressed you?
1: I actually just, right now I'm actually reading a lot of nonfiction, uh, queer theory, academic texts, but I just finished reading uh, Party Wall uh, that was put out by Cheyenne Blue, I yeah. think is her is her author name, and I just really enjoyed it. It was like a big warm hug.
0: <laughs> How would you describe yourself in five words?
1: Mm, non-spontaneous. I think we can go with that right now. Quiet. Um, <laughs> funny Mm, kind of a clown i guess it's hard to say it's hard to come up with five words one more oh no one more brunette
0: brunette okay now this is just. how would your best friend describe you
1: sweet and neurotic (laughs) and funny
0: (laughs) what are you neurotic about
1: Well, I'm a writer. I often feel like I've got to be a little bit neurotic about everything, especially details when it comes to research and stuff like that. If I'm writing a story set in the real world, I'll get on Google Maps to see if I can find the place, you know, Google Street View. If it's a restaurant, I'm going to look up the menu. I'm going to try and see the interior of the restaurant. I get really fixated on details that literally nobody else would ever care about. Uh, But they become important to me, so that's one thing.
0: So that would mean you're probably a a plotter of stories, not a penser who's doing it by the seat of your pants.
1: Well, actually, there's kind of a healthy mix of both. I always start off as a plotter, and I have these elaborate outlines and two paragraphs, and it's all out the window.
0: Okay, if you could wish for one thing in life, what would it be?
1: Financial security, I guess, for me and my loved ones. Just, you know, just the idea not of necessarily having fabulous wealth or anything like that, but just kind of, I think, the common fantasy of never really having to worry that you're going to need something. That would solve a lot of problems.
0: And my last question, how would you like to be remembered?
1: I guess sort of the two words that come to mind are, oddly enough, uh, generous and talented. Like, I'd like someone to remember thinking, gosh, I really enjoyed her writing, and she was also a good person. I think that that's <laughs> yeah. just two really basic things, actually.
0: That's lovely. So how can people find you on social media? You've got Facebook and Twitter, I think. So what are your handles?
1: Roslyn Writes uh, is me on Twitter, and on Facebook I'm just Rosalind Sinclair.
0: Well, thank you very much for talking to me today, Roslyn. And for everyone, I highly recommend The Lily in the Crown, which comes out on December 6th by Ilva.
1: Uh, well, thank you so much. It's been a delightful interview. I appreciate you. Uh, you're taking the time.
0: My pleasure.